Welcome to the Twisted Belts podcast. Uh, this is actually Future Dale here. Just wanted to chime in and let you guys know we were having a lot of uh, technical difficulties recording this specific podcast. So I did go through and edit some of the issues out. However, it was kind of a quick edit and I might not have caught it all. So if I didn't, please just bear with us. And uh, thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Twisted Builds podcast. It's been a minute. Uh, we just got through some technical difficulties with uh, Zoom. Like, and... like always, man. <laughs> but we are here. So, oh my word. How's it been? I, mean, I, I I've seen the... Like I've been seeing the motor in the back with the, the drop bear hanging off the side of it. How's that? Have you been able to get back to that? Yeah, that guy. Oh, am I frozen? I'm trying to no, move out of the you're way. You're good. You're good. Okay. Well, I had it wheeled outside. I had it wheeled outside, and then a buddy came over with a six O and his twenty five hundred. That uh, I just I just built his engine uh he ordered all of his parts from ebay okay. and the lifters that uh that we put in his truck were mm-hmm. made of some sort of metal colored play-doh because they were just demolished with less than 100 miles on them oh. um so that, that that took priority and i had the engine wheeled outside and then he okay. came over so i wheeled it right back inside gotcha I had to tear the heads off his truck and replace the lifters with some milling lifters, mm-hmm. but that—that's—that's that's an odd thing. I've never seen that before. Those uh, those eBay ones, no brand, less than a hundred miles on them, and they were just smushed sides, scarred everywhere. Oh, jeez. And and it made me feel bad because I'm the one who who kind of built it for them, but I'm not mm-hmm. the one who bought the parts for it. Yeah. That was, that was on him to to do all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. So I've never, I've never ran the the eBay yeah, ones before, so it was. I've always ran just junkyard, junkyard ones. So yeah, I've I've never had a problem with the stock ones at all, and the mm-hmm. ones that I'll have like a push rod smush on the end. I'll mm-hmm. just toss that lifter and throw another stock one that in from my pile. Yeah, so I've never really had issues with the stock ones on themselves. It's always something else that have caused those to go bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I need to get a set of lifters for the the six two that I'm putting in the S ten at some point. But it's been a bunch of suspension work and stuff before that. Right, before I even get to that point yet. Although I'll probably be getting the cam and everything for it soon with all the EPA garbage that's going on currently. Make sure I can actually get my hands on that stuff. Oh. <laughs> Don't don't you love that? Like even like something as stupid as long long tube headers are, are getting hard to find because stuff. it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But I'm I'm not too concerned about it because considering I have the stuff to fabricate my own stuff here. Yeah, and that so and when that, it comes like making awesome. Yeah, and I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I can fab all my own exhaust stuff, but like camshafts. And just other, you know, yeah. ends that you can't really fabricate. Those are going to be the the yeah. ticket items to try to get your hands on. But it's absolutely crazy yeah. how many tuning shops and stuff are getting whacked right now for all this garbage coming through. So complete overreach. But yeah, isn't there? There's some kind of petition. I think was it the RPM? Yep, the RPM something? Act. There, there's a there's a petition that yeah. you can go sign online. 
Um, uh, SEMA, I think, is the one that is kind of the one behind it. So, but, but yeah, you can you can get them to pretty much raise awareness to your local con- uh, congressional members and and hopefully get this pushed through because it's kind of been sitting stale for months now or probably closer to a year now, I'm thinking. So, the RPM Act going through. So, yeah. but well, it, it, it irritates me because if you think about it, like when it comes to emissions, it's really not the, the hot rudders that are polluting as much as exactly as the daily drivers that neglect maintenance. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the person that builds a high horsepower hot rod, well, he's not daily driving it. Uh, she's not daily driving it. It's getting taken out once a weekend at the most or yep. like once every two, three months for a car show, they're, they're mm-hmm. not exactly polluting like the everyday normal vehicles out there that haven't had spark plugs done in a hundred thousand miles or somebody cut the cats off their Honda to make it sound like a weed eater. Yep. Yes. Agreed. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, even if you just completely ignore all that, we tune our cars for efficiency. Our, the engines make the most yeah. power when they're the most efficient and when they're the most efficient, mm-hmm. they're going to have very little to zero, uh, you know, emission output. So it's going to be a lot cleaner for yep. most, most vehicle, not now diesel is completely different, but the gas engine side of things, you know, we, we tune for efficiency. We don't want those engines running inefficient. And when you tune for efficiency like yeah, that, you- your, your emissions is going to be a lot lower than normal. You can even you can even tune a, a stock vehicle for better gas mileage than what came from the factory. Because when yes. it comes to like the VE tables and it comes to the mass airflow uh, graphs, like they, they throw just copy and paste one in there that's that's good in the, the high mountains of Colorado, as good as the sea level in Florida. It's not mm-hmm. going to be tuned for where you where you drive it. Uh, so like there's even fuel economy gains and emissions gains from just tuning a stock vehicle. So exactly. I don't, I, I, they're, it, it's, it's annoying. It really is. Cause the people that are writing the legislation and, and all that crap, of course, they're not the ones that ever do any damn research. They have a panel of, of experts. Quote exactly. To, uh, exactly. To rely, that kind of tell them. On yep. The, the crap. Yeah. They don't, and they just they don't have an, a clue of what or understanding what's actually going on, so it's it's driving driving me mm-hmm. insane at least. It's just crazy. I mean, it's absolutely just put your head up your ass and <laughs> try to you know legislate like that. It's insane. Yeah. But but yeah. No, I uh, oh yeah, I it was just. Getting, I'm having to get stuff for the S10 soon because I'm just in case of all this crap going through. I want to make sure I still have availability to get most, which I have most everything I need for the engine. It's just gonna be like cam and stuff that I foresee that's probably gonna get start and get hard to get your hands on crap like that. So yeah, the good thing the good thing with camshafts is you could take a stock camshaft. I mean, you could make a bigger camshaft from a stock camshaft by just grinding down the base lobe and, exactly. and adjusting the valve train and other parts. So even if they, they ban all aftermarket camshafts, we still have a, a way to go towards something better than a stock mm-hmm. if we want more air, air in and out of the engine. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's just been a complete 
Complete or, overreach. Or we could just go, was it Coenseg's way? Free and, valve. And just free valve it. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. There's a, there's a Miata that I think made the round yes. last week or something I've been hearing a lot about. Yes, that, I that guy. Video. I've just been hearing about it. Yeah, that guy um, actually got that Miata. Like, I haven't seen, if a new video has come out this past week, I haven't seen it. But he had uh Mazda Miata he got and I think I watched a video back in January or February where he got uh it's like a red Miata with a factory engine and he machined and designed the a free valve setup that works with compressed air and air solenoids to open and close the valves mm-hmm. and it it works pretty good he drove it around I mean, he had video of it driving around and everything it's very noisy but but it does work so and that I'm sure that technology will probably progress as all this stuff starts going down Putting the yeah, putting all this technology back in the power of the you know hot rodders. Yeah, I mean necessity is the the mother of of all invention. So when it comes mm-hmm. to constraints, I mean if you look like the firearm community with a lot of the constraints that they're actually producing, arguably other brands and others better firearms. Uh, how do I word this? Um, not because that there are rules, but there's more research going on into firearm theory, I guess, to, yeah. to allow them to start building some, some better firearms. So like it's, you, you put shackles on something, they're going to, you put shackles on someone, they're going to use their feet to start picking up stuff. So, exactly. I mean, necessity is the mother of all invention. So who, who knows? We might have some, some better, tech coming out here and then which i mean that that was the whole like the whole thing with you know from say from the you know 70s and 80s to now everyone thought that you know efi when that came through was going to be the end all and i look at where Mm -hmm. it's progressed to sport i mean they have gotten engines more efficient because of all this crap coming through from the federal government and it all this more efficiency makes more power which it just floors Mm -hmm. me when they don't understand that you know hey it's not the hot rodders causing all the pollution, but they're going to target us anyway. Oh my! I mean, I have yeah. I I know you haven't I know you haven't been in social media, or at least you haven't been in some of the spaces I hang out in. Not anymore. for a few months. Yeah, you, yeah. have you been seeing all the the tuner shops that have been getting raided into and everything like that? No, but. Uh... Uh, I have been seeing a lot of the firearm community shops getting raided for for stupid yeah. stuff, but it's, it's, it's not exactly illegal stuff. It's just it's just all around any sort of hobby you have now. From from this to that, it's just there's a crackdown on it right now. Yeah. They don't want people to be happy with their hobbies, and it, it pisses me it, off. But exactly, yeah, it's, it was just it's I haven't those... I haven't seen many of the shops. I know for was a few years now they've been cracking down on just the shops. Uh, sorry, you were breaking up. What'd you say? I, I, I said, I know for a few years now, they've been cracking down on like diesel shops, but I haven't yes. heard anything recently on like tuner shops or. Yep. They started like going after tuner shops. Um, probably early or late February, early March. There's six that I know of that they raided. It's not a full on, like, you know, you know, armed raid of the shop or anything. It's more of a very, very professional visit from the EPA to read off uh, factory OBD2 cars to make sure, you know, to see if there's any kind of aftermarket tunes or anything in them. 
and uh, talk to the owners. That's also why like Stainless Works stopped selling, um, stopped selling like off-road use only stuff because they couldn't prove that the end user was going to use it for off-road use only, which is insanity. I mean, well, it, it's it's not on them to 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 exactly to have that exactly. It's not. I mean, it's on the end user to use it in a legal manner, and it's mm-hmm. it's just absolutely. Whenever the EPA switched their definition to where or a definition of the law where they weren't before they weren't enforcing like the, um, the vehicles that had a VIN plate that were emission certified that got taken off the road and were only off-road use only. Um, they weren't, you know, they weren't forcing the emission standards on them to where, Oh yeah. If we don't care if it had a VIN number at one point in time, it's got to comply with all the emissions equipment that was on that vehicle at point of sale, which is crazy. Oh, well, then you're just going to see a whole bunch of really old stuff sky skyrocket in price, it's, and you're just going to see a whole bunch of old stuff make a second round of being cool. Why have you looked at the price of carburetors recently? No, should I? Because I have a few here in the shop that I can probably get a rebuild and just hold on to for the price of gold to go up. Apparently. I I would. <laughs> I, uh, I I heard of, I heard about you know the price of carburetors are starting to go sky high and I've got a few Hollies sitting in my basement I'm like yeah I'm gonna hoard those in a little bit more of a safer spot just in case because <laughs> the it, the yeah. crap's getting insane. So. You, you know so so I go to a machinist school and mm-hmm. uh, it's a two year program and I've been learning a whole hell of a lot. Well before I even started going to that school, my dad he races a whole bunch of like yard carts and, and lawnmowers and stuff here in Oklahoma. I know that makes me sound redneck, but I mean, we can make a lawnmower go, go pretty damn fast. And, and what is it like ESPN, like 35 or something used to, used to film the lawnmower races. Yep. But even like back a few years ago, I, I had the thought in my head of, of making my own carburetor for some of those 200 CC, 212 CC small engines. And it's really not that hard for that smaller stuff. You just got to get a lot of Bernoulli's principle down and, and get your yep. get your math right when it comes to that. So it's a good thing that I'm going through a lot of this schooling right now because at the end of the day, if I could if if I make my own carburetor, regardless of how inefficient it is, if it gets an engine to run and I can bypass them and give the government a middle finger, I will. <laughs> yep. You just reminded me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw the whole conversation in a cur- curveball. That is why I got into Speedwino because mm-hmm. of the fact that. Um, I have friend like lawnmower racing's a thing in the area I'm in, um, and I've been into small engines. Mine like I started out with small like lawnmower engines, making them faster, or whatever. I would weld up and regrind my own cams and everything like that for single cylinder stuff. And uh, you probably remember my small engine dyno. Yeah, yeah, that's, that I still that need to get to at some ago, point. I ended up watching your video before I even know who you were. And after we got in contact with each other and was talking about the Speedduino stuff, I thought back, I was like, you know what? I watched that guy years ago. Didn't yep. even know it was you. <laughs> that that whole project is what started me on Speedduino because I wanted to feel it, or I still will at some point, feel inject a little, you know, a little single cylinder engine just for the hell of it. That's because yeah. I was I was working on making my own. I still have a good chunk of the code of making my own Uno based 
a fuel injection controller for a single cylinder engine. And it got to the point where like, I'm, I'm just completely reinventing the wheel here. You know, why not just jump on the Speedwino board or on the Speedwino train and just roll with it. And yep. that's pretty much what I did. So yep. again, completely off subject, what we we're talking about, but when it comes to the tech progressing and then, and, in, and until the EPA comes and knocks down every single one of those doors of the people that help build that hardware or that software. It's, it's completely open source. There, there's never going to be able to stop it. It's just not going to be a thing. Yeah, can't, can't stop the signal, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it, it's just been crazy. But So you were working on a six liter. Have you gotten any other projects done or was that the, the last oh, of it? Well, my little brother bought a um, one of those job site boxes. It somebody built this office for some oil rig on okay. a single wide trailer, and my little brother bought it. Beautiful exterior. The interior was just garbage because a whole bunch of people in the oil field built it, and they're obviously not contractors. Um, but I've been going through it, and I've been rebuilding that while I've been on spring break this week, remodeling gotcha. and doing floors and roofs and and ceilings and walls and wiring <laughs> all sorts of crap oh, staying my. busy kind of yeah. not just just engines but other kind of crap to keep my hands busy i hear you there i've been working oh, on that yes go I, on i did i did get my my lathe running i hooked up the vfd and yes. it is awesome um let me see if i have the room here to stretch the camera out and i'm gonna okay. turn the vfd on i want to show you that gonna show off his big lathe nice can you see that yeah i that's the power controller and that yeah i couldn't see the laptop but i don't feel like going and turning the breaker on real quick no, that's that's fine Ugh. but that thing, so... that thing's awesome the amount of programming you can do to that to convert single phase to three phase and and mm -hmm. ramp up times decel times uh on off switch jog forward jog reverse it is that that thing's impressive coming from taiwan or china <laughs> it really That's is awesome. I'm, I'm impressed for that money i don't think i ever could have got a deal like that without paying triple for like a rotary phase converter or quadruple for a rotary phase converter that's awesome yeah, but I got it wired awesome. up and the lathe, the lathe is running. Um, have, have you machined any parts with the lathe? One. One while it's here. Uh, and it didn't turn out that well because I don't have a quick change tool post on it. It's just okay. the old style. Yep. And the center height or the uh, the height for the cutting edge of the tool needs to be on the center height of the part. Mm -hmm. And it is nowhere near it, even with spacing up the bottom. So okay. I'm going to make myself some old... I think they call it like a Nelson patent style, really old quick change tool post. Okay. Uh, I'm going to end up machining one of those up so I can make my own and set the, the center height of the tool right and gotcha. get all that stuff. But the one part I made, it was just, it was, God, I want to say like an eighth inch below center and just mushing up everything, not making a chip. <laughs> I only had a little piece of aluminum in it just to test out the VFD. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah, it'll be now. I've been watching, I've been watching machining videos. So I've just, because of my little, my little guys compared to what you've got there. But, uh, so you're saying you're going to make your own quick change posts, like your own quick change tooling. Yep. Okay. 
Yeah. So uh, look, look, look it up. I, I think the just general term of it, I don't believe there's a patent on it, but the, the name that it's called is the Nelson patent style. Quick okay. change to the post. And uh, I don't know if you can just Google it on your phone real quick. It's like a center post and you have like a donut that sits around the post that you tighten down with one set screw. And with the groove cut in the donut, you can stick pieces of high speed steel in it and then mm-hmm. just loop it up and down the center rod. And okay. Full height where you need to be super, super simple to make one. I was writing, an, I was writing a note down of it so that way I had it. So I'm going to definitely look that stuff up because I want to, my, like my little lathe is just, it's, you've seen the little benchtop lathes. It's got that little center post deal with, you know, you could rotate it for four different tools and that's about it. I would like to do what? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same one that's on mine. The little four square, not the turret, but the little four square style. Exactly. And I want I want to do something quick change just because of changing tooling out and you know back and forth quickly to do different machining operations it, with it. Yeah, it really comes in handy from like facing to chamfer tools to mm-hmm. to cut off tools and and to to just really just unchange it, stick it on, and have the height already preset and just immediately machine without yeah. having to get your face to the spinning part, set the set the line on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's worth it, even if you got to buy one. If, even if I don't make this one. The, uh, I think I'm going to use like a, a BXA because there's AXA, BXA, and CXA quick change tool post styles okay. uh, for like the little dovetail, locking dovetail ones. Yep. Uh, I think I'm going to go with like a BXA. I and mean, then you can get them for like under 300 bucks and then make your own tool okay. holders. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look into that because I've, again, I've been looking into the machining stuff little by little. I actually picked up some, I think it's some inch cold steel round stock for the lathe just to mess with and uh pretty much makes suspension spacers out of it for the s10 build so i picked up a couple of feet of it yeah now that i have the lathe here i don't know if you remember me telling you it damn near six months ago i was making those uh ls in uh fuel yes. rail for the uh for the an fitting so i'm gonna be putting out hundreds of those yes a big old bag of them um, I'm probably going to test them on my truck. And the only reason I say that uh, mm-hmm. is because uh, two days ago, I had that little rubber fuel line leak on the top of my intake for that crossover. Okay. Um, I, have, I have a new, new body style intake manifold on mm-hmm. just the same but I use the old, uh, like the, just the normal gen three plastic fuel rails on it. Yep. And I make my own crossover over the top. So I think I'm going to, those those little parts on machine i think i'm going to use those on my truck and cross over in the front okay and and then return out the back of the second rail something like that there uh, I'll, I'll be sending you a big bag of those <laughs> i'll be I, testing I them had to change out that, that that fuel line so i was like you know what i gotta get this going before i, I have a fire or something <laughs> i keep a fire extinguisher in my passenger seat just because it's a shit box anyway yeah yeah, I'll be, I'll definitely be testing them on the S10 because that's kind of my plan. I would love to, and that's that's something else. I'm almost thinking of doing like, again, I come from a blow through background, so I come from a Holly blow through background, and I'm thinking about doing something very similar to what I did with that, except EFI based, obviously, which is going to be, would you be able to block off all of the the feet, the factory feed ports, just block everything off there? I didn't have two ANs at the, you know, how you have the AN adapters for the, I think it was for the back of the tubes, right? Or the front of the tubes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, are, you, are you talking about on, on carburetor or, or no the, on the ls stuff on the ls on the ls uh again i was i was trying to picture some other stuff that was not yes <laughs> you got a rail too so yeah, i got i got a few of them <laughs> all right so your your adapter goes in right here correct yes so that is that is the factory end cap yep and 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 i'm taking off the caps and you can kind of yep you can see see through here mm -hmm. um and then i'm gonna make these little uh the pucks that are inside there um they they have an o-ring or two o-rings i can't remember i haven't taken one out in a while i got a whole bucket of them but okay yeah. i'm basically going to be making my own with uh the thread for an fittings and you can just yeah. screw the an fitting in there the the biggest issue i've come across when it comes to those is finding a new cap for the end of it okay because that, that little crimp cap yeah well so i found some uh just the cheap little freeze plugs mm -hmm. and you make the adapter that goes in the end drill a hole in the freeze plug for your fitting to go through and you still got the crimp on the back side but the issue is they're they're way too thick the steel freeze plugs gotcha. so uh, i'm probably just going to get some like aluminum tubing because i think the the stock ones are aluminum and make yeah. my own kind of die and and to make them crimp yeah yeah gotcha okay uh my question was was are you plugging the crossover tube ports then uh i can't remember I probably I, I will be yes it's okay. not right now on my truck but i will it will be yes um okay. and then that way when it comes to the height of the intake it won't really matter it won't matter no that's like that's I, said, I, have the, I have the plastic ones on the new new body style which had the steel uh fuel rails mm -hmm. and i had to space them up because uh the height for where you screw in the steel ones is way lower than where you screw in the plastic ones. so i had to space it up and use longer bolts but it, it, it fits fine gotcha um, but, and then the crossover from going from bank to bank will either be in the front or you can wide out in the rear and block the fronts completely. And, and that's, and that's my, that's where I was going with. So the, the, the AN lines coming off of there, what I used to do is run, well, I'll be, or even like on the S 10, I'll be running a fuel, uh, fuel regulator, probably something out of say somewhere in, underneath the engine compartment, obviously, have both lines like you would for a dual uh, float ball Holly going mm -hmm. to the regulator. So you okay. have, you have a feed line from the fuel pump into the regulator. Then you just feed both rails off of the regulator. And then you have your return off of it going back to the tank. What, what, what would be a little bit better is actually running uh, straight from the tank to the rails and then straight from the rails to a regulator. That it's literally you you and I are talking literally the same thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So yeah, the, the, uh, the rails get like, you're not regulating the fuel pressure to the rails. You're regulating the yeah, pressure yeah. from the rails to the tank. Yes. Yes. So fact, on the return yeah, side. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, that's, that's the best way to run them right. There. Yes. Yep. And that's, and that's, yeah, you and I are talking the same thing. It's just, a, okay. just the way I'm visualizing it, it's probably a little different, but yeah, it's literally the same thing. We're regulating the fuel pressure on the return going mm -hmm. back to the tank. But yep. that that's the plan. I that's what I used to do in uh like the Holly carburetor stuff, and I would love to do the same thing with that just because the amount of fuel flow you can get 
through a setup like that, you're not restricted to that, you know, that factory crossover or where it next yeah. down into that crossover for the yeah, theme. Yeah, and, 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 and if you take off the crossover, especially and you look at, you take off the regulator, let's say on like a, a, a Gen 3 LS, that crossover hole to feed bank uh, two is, is, is tiny. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. Yes, it's very so small. Let me see if I can line this up. But that is a, a massive, uh-huh. massive hole. Exactly. Like, have any problems? That's I want to say. I mean, that's just shy of an inch, if not an inch, um, diameter in there. So that's even better than some like the the cheap eBay. Exactly. Uh, so the exactly. volume exactly massively. And that's my plan is uh just I use your plugs with that so I can get the volume because I'm gonna be running E85 with yeah, that truck. You're gonna and then, need the volume. <laughs> exactly. And it won't be a problem. So that that's that's the whole plan behind that. I figured we were probably on the same page of blocking off all the off all the crossover stuff. I just couldn't remember because it's been a it's been a bit. <laughs> but yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, that, that, that plan's in the work. So one day uh, in the mail, you're probably going to have a bag of a few hundred of those. Um, uh, thankfully, yep. uh, the, the, the school that I'm going to, all the scrap from all the students, because I'm, I'm the, besides the, the lady that's up there and she's going uh, specifically to get a job doing only CNC stuff, mm-hmm. I'm taking the whole class because I don't, I'm retired. I don't give a crap about getting a job there. And I really don't really give a crap about the certificate I get, I'm just there for the knowledge. Uh, but all the mm-hmm. scrap that all the, the little 16 year olds and 17 year old kids produce, I'm able to take out of that scrap bin and I'm able to, to make whatever I want or prototype off of that scrap stuff. Cause it's already going to get sold as scrap. Yeah. So make some chips and make it smaller scrap. And at least I get a learning experience out of it. So thankfully the instructor there is just let me play around with, with all sorts of stuff so I can come up with this concoction. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm jealous of the, the your access to the scrap because right around here it's not. I was yeah. shocked to find like the inch cold roll steel. I'm like, really? holy crap! Really? Oh yeah, Wait, yeah. We have we have, we have a, a shop here. I think it's a specialty metals supply. It's, okay. Uh, it's over here. Oh man, I can't think of the cross streets, but I can drive right to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like they do a lot of bigger stuff but for like their medium orders well they'll have cutoffs of a few feet here and there they sell the cutoffs at at scrap price uh so i'm able to just pick all sorts of stuff but the downside to that is it's not really labeled when they when they cut off so yeah so you you don't know what what grade of metal you're getting yeah well most of them are are kind of standardized with the color of the ends Mm -hmm. but who's to say they didn't cut off both both ends so you don't have the actual color to work on, but a lot yeah. of those is colored like pink and blue and white and red. Um, okay. So even even in like a machine shop, you have cans of spray paints or some bingo dauber bingo daubers that are colored. So when you cut off the end of a, a long stick, you actually redab it or repaint it, so the next person knows what type of material that is. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I didn't even know that was a thing. All right, mm-hmm. like and like the we have a, a scrap a metal recycler i guess and that's where i got that stuff from so i got it for a scrap price but it's like i've been specifically looking for metal or brass or whatever i can get my hands on for like actual metal solid blocks just to play in the in the mill i can't find it to save my life so at least not around here hey, so hey. so one of these might show up 
with that bag of parts. Metal working shop from scrap. Yep, there's a author here. David. So it's like a Okay. It's it's like a seven book condensed into one. God, I'm out of breath from running to my truck. It's <laughs> all good. But when it comes to like scarcity of finding metals, mm -hmm. the very first book in here of this uh, little seven book collection. The How to build a foundry. foundry. This this book goes step by step. I mean, it's it's a it's a thick book. Step by step on how to build your own foundry, cast your own parts out of some scrap stuff that you find to make bigger chunks, how to make your own lathe from scratch, how to make your own mill from scratch. And it's not going to be something super precise, but when it comes to making parts for prototype or, mm -hmm. or just messing around or even like a functional part that doesn't need to be down to the thousandth of an inch, an inch in tolerance, yeah. uh, you find some of the, the scrap stuff, make a foundry out of some, some plaster and cast your own bigger pieces to work with. Okay. And that, that actually rolls me into, I have a whole bunch of trans transmission cases. My shop is a dang mess, but <laughs> cases and a whole bunch of transmission parts. Well, guess okay. what? Some, some decent aluminum and they're yeah. not in a shape that I want to mess with right now, but melted down they're going to be a pretty block of aluminum that I can turn into a, a useful part. Um, so that's, that's a really like good, that. that might show up in your, in your mail as well with some of those. Bags <laughs> parts. That's know. actually a good idea. I, I, the honest with you, I have a few transmissions. I was probably just going to scrap. Yeah. I might not do that now. <laughs> I might yeah. just hold them well, back. I, was, and... I had my buddy, Jonathan, I was going to, I had him posted up. That's all four L sixties. I built, uh, I don't know. Let me say six or seven of them. And then I used a whole bunch of those other ones. So I probably had a dozen total. Uh, uh -huh. And I have cases laying around of all the scrap parts that I don't need or spare cases or spare valve bodies. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I told my buddy Jonathan to throw them up on, on Facebook for free. Just get them out of my shop because it's so, it's so damn cluttered in here. I need room for, for actually building stuff. Nobody bid on that. Not a single message and not yeah. even like the, Scrappers wanted to come grab the parts for free. And I'm like, well, in that case, take the post down. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a few days, not one hit on free parts just because they're 4L60 parts. Nobody wants them. 4L80 parts, they're getting hard to find right now. We actually scoured Facebook earlier and couldn't find one. It's oh, almost geez. cheaper just to buy one already pre-manufactured. It comes with a warranty than it is to find a used one. Hmm. Um, at least at least around here anyway, because we yeah. looked today. It was, it was a hard time finding it. Uh, but so I'm just going to turn all those, all those parts into other parts. Hmm. That's a good, that's honestly a good idea. I'm going to, I'll, I'll definitely keep a hold of the, cause I've got an old 200 R4 and a 700 R, not, not 200 R4. Sorry. I got an old TH 200 yeah. and a 700 R4 that the 700 R4 I've already scavenged for parts out of. It's actually the original trans out of the firebird mm -hmm. and the TH 200 was just a, a one that was given to me by an old coworker. It has no reverse and he, he rebuilt it a few times and still has no reverse. So <laughs> like, you know what? And I was like, oh, I'll just take it, but I have no use for that transmission because they're pretty much glass inside. So might as well gut it and take, do the same thing, cut the aluminum with the little bits and yeah. And, and pour and it into something else. Goes into details, especially like making molds, how to make your own uh, molding sand. 
just go okay. get some like some, some fine grade sand and some and some clay or you can actually go buy molding sand and it, it's it's basically it's a step by step by step walk hold your hand and walk you through the process it's well worth the, the money i paid for that and it's not no 30 dollar book but yeah it, it's well worth it because i have i have no issue spending money on stuff i can keep as reference material mm-hmm. uh, yeah, even don't like, me there. but I, I have no need for your machinist handbook right now personally Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all over the machine shop, but I wanted one for myself for reference material. So I had no problem shelling out that $140 it was for the, the machinery handbook. Gotcha. Um, I, I have a, a wonderful library and I just plan on keep growing that. I like thumbing through it in rainy days and picking a, a topic to look through. <laughs> Can't beat that at all. That's pretty much what I've been doing right now, except it's like, I, it's one of those things where, I will, I will pick a subject and I will go just head bore, you know, head first into it. Just flat out. I've learned everything I can. As, I'm going to use the S10 as an example, the reverse suspension, doing the three link and the watts link stuff. It's like that whenever I was doing that, it's like I would just, I would literally dive head first into it, figure everything out I can about it. You know, do, you know, the best I can for figuring out what I need to do and then go head first into designing it. And that's what I'm getting ready to do right now with the front suspension. So just I, fig- I, I, I have the same thing, but my issue is following through. So I'll go oh, yeah. head first into something 110% taking up every waking hour doing my research. And, and I'll get hands on to the point where I'll, I'll have like a proof of concept mm-hmm. and then I'll stop. And I'll never pick it up again. And it, it sucks because I don't know. There's a little switch that once I see it proved, then then there's no reason for me to continue on it. Yeah. I've been really trying to work on that a lot and try to follow through some of the dang projects I got around here. And I will say I definitely have some of those tendencies. Mm-hmm. Small engine dyno being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's just you're taking the, your, your your time on it. You want to make sure it's right, so you know. <laughs> yeah, my time on it as it has been sitting for like four years now, <laughs> without being touched. <laughs> if it's yeah, it's somewhere around there. It's been crazy amount of time. It's just been sitting there. But between the you Firebird know, and the S10 and all the other stuff, you know, me and you were were, were texting this week, and I was talking about I kind of envy you how you you accomplish so much, and I kind of need someone. <laughs> someone here to keep me company well i was thinking about that and, and it's not really true like i have no problem working on other people's stuff i have no problem mm-hmm. working on other people's stuff alone or with music and I'll, I'll complete their project not an issue but when it comes to like myself projects i i am a procrastinator like no oh, yeah yeah i it, it's one of those things with me i i can be with some stuff again small engine dyno <laughs> but but like the what with like the S10, I was hoping to get it going this season. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I think it's way too far out yet. But yeah. so my goals kind of shifted the next season. But I'm still just kind of putting my head down, trying to figure out everything. Right now, it's it's just figuring out that front suspension because it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So mm-hmm. I gotta I've I started figuring out like this literally today. I finished everything for boxing in the front uh, frame rail. So both sides are boxed in. Everything's, you know, double passed for welded. Because I, a lot of that stuff, I'll, I'll double pass it just to make sure if my first pass didn't have good good uh, penetration. My second pass definitely did. Mm-hmm. And that's all done. And now it's just, uh, like, this afternoon was nothing but measuring. It was just a whole pile of measuring and taking notes 
Um, I figured out the lengths of the factory because I still kept all the factory control arms. So I had kind of a reference of how long they were, you know, upper and lower and like bull joint locations and, and like spindle offset from the like KPI angle to like the wheel mounting surface and just all, all kinds of stuff. And I've got that all kind of figured out and found out if I wanted to, I'm, I'm widening the front, like th six inches overall. Mm -hmm. It's like three inches per side. And just the way I'm doing it, I'm going to be able to mount most everything on the exterior of the or of that frame. It'd be completely okay. I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to do it yet, but are, are you just going to, are you going to just bend uh, your own a arms? Or... Yes. Yep. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm custom building my upper and lower control arms. Um, it's going to get coilovers in the front and my, my current running theory right now is I'm going to make them adjustable and like for height, like the rear is. So like the rear, if I need to lower it or raise it, I can change, uh, like the coilover mounting holes on the rear axle so I can go down or up and, you know, set it if, you know, if I need to bump it up without turning the spring pressures up, I can just literally physically move that coilover on an adjustment hole. Um, I'm gonna be doing the exact same thing with the front. So yeah, that, um, I cannot wait to see that, man, because it's it's awesome. I, really, I man, I'm that's like that I'd see out at a car show or or a, or a competition and just mind boggle and daydream about how it's put together. And <laughs> it's yeah. it's been a lot of undertaking, but I'm ex I'm I'm like I'm giddy. I'm excited to get it done because but, I plan. Well, sorry, go on. Well, where where would let's say. Okay, I have my kid's four-wheeler. It's a little $400 ATV, mm -hmm. uh, and I want to ride it, but I'm a little bit too big, like just so tiny too big. My kids, it's perfect size, but if it was a little bit bigger, they could still grow into it and still be perfect size for them now, and I would have no problem uh, riding it. So I, I would like to kind of widen the suspension on the ATV and the rear and stuff like that. So what, what, what's some reference material or some – something that you've been researching to where I could kind of look into that a little bit more to, and at least get my toes in the water on like a ATV suspension build before I go to some vehicles. I would say the ATV is going to be severely different than an automotive based independent well, front suspension. Well, the, the, the front end, I can tell you it's, it's, it's still going to be double really wishbone, similar, but it's, the, yep. it's the rear that that's, that's easy to figure out, but I'm talking about like, like, uh, camber angle stuff versus like control arm length versus like ball joint placement and, and stuff like that. There's actually a video series. I will send you a link to on YouTube. Um, I, it was a video series. I actually got back into right before we started, uh, this podcast recording, um, uh, FDF race shop. They're actually out of Canada. They, uh, the guy that owns that place just put out, uh, I think it's like a nine video series or whatnot. He sounds like he's not even done yet of all of like visually showing you, uh, a test, like it's a, a benchtop rig and he has a wheel bearing spindle, you know, cut all this stuff out of it and visually shows you what everything does as it changes. Okay. Um, that is a very, very good, uh, one to reference. Now that's not going to really go along with what you're doing with a four-wheeler but will go heavily into any kind of vehicle suspension okay. um yes the suspensions are the same but are similar it's just uh 
pretty much applications completely different, which, which means setups completely different. And like you, you have with a four wheeler to make it to where you and your kids will probably be able to ride it. You're probably going to extend the control arms a little bit. And, and at that point you're going to be looking at like KPI angles and just some other odds and ends to get it set up to where it's still good for four wheeling, but it's big enough for you. I don't really care if it's good for four wheeling because it's a two wheel drive. It's not four wheel drive. Independent front end. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so it, it's kind of similar to, to to some of the vehicles. It's not like a McPherson or anything, but there's also a chassis design book that I had a friend send me a link to. I'll also send you as well. I think it's chassis designed by Max Hearn. I want to okay. say it is, and that that is like I wouldn't say PhD level, but there's other there's another book I don't remember the name to save my life that is PhD level first suspension design for the front end um but it's still a very good book for you know going into research and I've just I've been diving head first at all that um trying to figure it out so it's it, there's a there's a lot behind it it's you gotta take in a lot of it's like one like for instance a camber change can change you know for instance I'm gonna go back to my s10 because that's what I've been researching. I say a caster change is going to change camber at full lock because caster turns in the camber pretty much yeah. whenever you, you turn yeah. around KPI yeah, I angles have, are going to have my a four ASE. Uh, so I went, went a little bit into that, but it's been got six years. Yeah. I've really done, done research into it. So when it but, comes to the camber and caster changes, the other one and you raise this and drop that. Yep. I, and, I can, visualize that in my mind and like with the getting in deeper into it like with the s10 i'm gonna be having adjustable uh like uh control arm height mounts so um you know how like the rear suspension on a lot of like even if like four length vehicles where you can change bar like yeah. bar mounting yeah. points up and down i plan on doing the same thing with the front of that s10 so i want to have i'm thinking probably three inches possibly four inches worth of adjustment on the upper and lower control arm and up and down to be able to adjust roll center height and the like the roll center access and um the upper control arm will also be like if you're looking say this is the front of the vehicle and this is the back the control arm for the front's going to be able to be adjusted uh pretty much i don't know how what plane you call this in but pretty much towards the back of the wheel down so that way you can actually match up with the instant center for the rear to help with braking forces on the front and um it's just it's a bunch of figuring out and your video froze so i any of oh, those head movements i can imagine sorry were, i couldn't see any of your hand movements let me so let me see I if i can fix this here <laughs> oh technology tonight i tell you yeah it's lovely. So I, I, I could see, I could see in my head that you were probably moving your hands around. That would have helped me visualize, but <laughs> oh, my word, it's not going to let me do it. Hold on. Uh, there we go. Can you see okay. me now? Okay. Okay. Uh, do, do, some, do some of the hand so, movements. Okay. <laughs> so the, um, the upper control arm, say this is the front of the vehicle and this is the back. Okay. I'm going to be able to adjust the control arm to where the rear of it goes towards the ground, um, which which will affect not only like a KPI and caster, but it's also going to affect um, pretty much. It's like the uh, 
it's the roll center axis for the front of the vehicle towards the rear. So that way, whenever oh, you hit okay. the brakes, it, it helps migrate some of the body roll, you know, going forward whenever you hit the brakes no, and stuff so like it, that. It's, it's kind of, it's pre-compensating a little bit. So when you go into braking, you're more, your weight distribution and, and your center axis, I guess. Exactly. Is. It's not completely nose diving. You can actually get it to where it, it still plants the tires really hard on braking. So you can maximize your tire grip on braking. But it's not going to like put the bumper into the ground either, okay, so okay. It, it's it's uh I'm just do, been doing a pile of research trying to figure out how exactly I want to set that truck up. Not to mention that, but make it adjustable in the ways I need to make it adjustable. When when, when it comes to like setting the height for the the control arms, are you going to do like is is it just going to be bolts and and holes, or is it slot slotting yes. or it's going to be bolts and holes, uh, okay. probably three quarter inch adjustments per whole change three quarter to an inch it's going to depend on what final that, final measurements kind of, layout it's kind of a large large jump from three quarters it, to an inch. it is but whenever you actually run out the um like for instance you run out that imaginary line for where roll center actually is it doesn't change that particularly much. Definitely at a three quarter inch uh, range. It's okay. a fit like when you're looking at. I'm frozen again, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, you're frozen again. I can't see any of your hand movements. There we go. My back. Okay. Anyway, well, your, your 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 thing disappeared, so I can see my full beard now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have issues on my side because it just froze again. Yeah. So, oh dear lord. Gotta love technology. I, I see you again now. One more time. Yeah, until it freezes again. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's just been it's been a pile of research and just figuring out how I want to set it up for roll centers and everything like that. And it's gonna it's once I get it working, it's just gonna be a matter of getting it to a track and adjusting it. Um, mm -hmm. it's it's the same way I've got the rear. I mean, the rear set the rear three link I've got. I'm frozen again. Uh, the rear three link I have set up. Um. I have it set up to where I can put the, the instant center of that rear axle, like literally a foot in front of the pinion to like 10 feet in front of the truck and like high and low all throughout the, all throughout the range of up and down. So I could set it like way above the hood to in the ground, uh, so for the imaginary roll center or instant do, center. Do you think, so you're, you're kind of going above and beyond when it comes to adjustability is, yes. is because like it's like your first time doing that and you don't really know where you're going to be at next uh like do you think like maybe your next project isn't going to have as much because you know where to put the adjustability correct okay. correct not only that but uh from what i've again just the research i've been doing uh you can change adjustments per track conditions or you know if you're if you're going from a really tight track to a really loose track or I'm also not just setting it up for street and drift, but also autocross as well. I'm frozen again, <laughs> but uh, autocross as well. But yes, I would say you are correct in the fact of once I get an idea where that particular setup likes to be, the next setup won't have as much adjustability just because okay. I won't need it. Um, but I have no idea what the setup's going to want. Mm -hmm. So I want to have it as adjustable as possible so I can make it what I need to be. And kind of roll with it. 
Okay. Definitely with being all custom, I just want to well, have yeah, that. Definitely do send me those links because that's that's something that I'll probably go head in 110% and then tear my kid's four-wheeler apart and never put it back together with now that I know how it works. <laughs> I'll, the, I'll say anyone listening or watching this podcast and my frozen face again, um, that FDF race shop one, that is, I would highly recommend that to anyone. That one is very, very good at breaking it down yeah. to layman's terms, yet FDF being very, very detailed. Let me go F- ahead and say that right now. Yeah, FDF race shop. FDS. FDF. So Frank F- Delta Frank. Okay, okay. Race so. shop? Yep. Okay. Yeah, if you bring it up on YouTube, he'll have he's got a playlist for uh, front suspension geometry, and that's that's the yeah, he's got a website and okay, yep, okay, I got it. Sweet. That that's the one I highly recommend getting into. I'm actually going through it for a second time and jotting down a bunch of notes. So I can you know between that and a couple of the books I have, just start getting design figured out for that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be making my own spindles and everything as well. I don't know if yeah. So, yes. So, um, I'm frozen again. Uh, the, my plan is, is I don't know if you've ever seen the pre-runner trucks, um, where they run sheet metal fabbed, uh, spindles on those. That's kind of where I'm getting the idea from. So, and some of the drift guys also do it as well. They just don't build them as beefy. Uh, I want to be able to jump this thing if I have to, and not have to worry about the front spindles breaking on me. So they're going to get, they're going to get built up. And the current idea is, uh, busting front, uh, wheel bearings because it'll match up my bolt patterns front and rear. Um, probably Cobra front rotors and do the same thing I did in the rear with the front. We're having, uh, four calipers in the front, two per wheel. It's kind of the idea right now. Um, that may change. Like if it, it just, if it's too much brake force, I'll just sit, pull a set of calipers off. The <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a lot of braking right there. Yeah, it is. I am going manual brakes, so it oh, will. Okay. I, I think it'll help a little bit in that regard. But speaking yeah. of braking, I was watching a video yesterday. They were talking about some of like um, the old Penske racing back in the okay. day, and uh, they were talking about about breaking and kind of bending the rules a little bit within uh how they how they worked because uh you had to race the stock part vehicles okay. uh, anything that the manufacturer made you were able to use on the vehicle to upgrade it well uh one of i think it was penske uh they went and this was back when one of the new porsches came out they went and bought porsche brakes went and took them to the dealership, had the dealership enter them in a, as, as their dealer's part numbers and then resell them over the counter as OE parts so they could get bigger brakes uh, on their on their their stock um, race, racing. And they, they even added a second uh, brake booster. Uh, one, you know how a brake booster works. It uses yes. the vacuum to assist. Well, they did it the opposite because they were changing brakes uh, in the middle of the race back then. So they, they did the opposite. So they actually had a, a vacuum switch. So when they pulled into pit, they would flip the switch and it would suck the, the, ah, yes. Just plink the, the pads off, throw new pads in flip and then the switch. You know, they were able to do brake changes in seconds, as opposed to it, the like minutes for prying off hot, hot brake parts. Okay. 
Yeah. It, it was some cool technology. I love watching those old videos of of how they bend the rules and the cheating. Yes. And stuff. They always talk about like the the two or three inch diameter fuel line that goes from the tank, and it's like it wraps back and forth in the car like twenty feet before it goes to the carburetor to give you an extra few gallons. Yep. They, they're really inventive. Um, yes, they were. Def- definitely like eighties F one stuff. I don't know if you ever got into that or not, but oh my no, word. No, I, I mean, I, a little bit, not eighties, but some of like the early two thousands. There was there was some stuff that I've I've researched. Yeah, from there. just absolute crazy stuff they were doing just to bend the rules. Where they same same kind of thing with the gas line, except they would run it in cool areas of the car to help cool the fuel off before it went to the engine, and <laughs> just stupid stuff like that. A lot of the like, old NASCAR stuff. There's there's uh, talks uh, that they had like like you were only allowed to have a twenty two gallon fuel tank. So they'd make a 30-gallon fuel tank and inflate a beach ball or two or basketball or football <laughs> inside the tank and then fill it up with gas. And they immediately go to tech. They would drain the entire tank dry without looking inside the tank. Uh-huh. And they only got 22 gallons. And then whenever they go back to their pits, their their fuel tank was already certified. They'd take the the, the deflated balls out and they had a 30-gallon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's just the crazy stuff that you you know you work around the rules to to get you know and your desired result. The necessities of the mother of all inventions. So when it comes exactly. to exactly, I mean it kind of sucks with all the emission stuff, but maybe it's not as terrible as we were initially thinking. But yeah, but time time's gonna tell. We're gonna find out. Time will tell. Yeah, hopefully it just doesn't go too uh, communist when it comes to a lot of the authoritarian takeover of everything. I agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree with you. So I'm going to say on that note, we've probably had a pretty good episode this time between all the technical stuff and yeah. me freezing constantly. And yeah. uh, we will try to make this a little bit more of a common thing for our listeners. Um, it's I, mainly I been me. Myself, I need to work on, on some scheduling. A lot of stuff tends to come up last minute. And yeah, you're talking to the, you're preaching to the choir. Time. Trust me. Cause a lot of this has been me trying to make time to do this. So I got to get in the habit of getting this going and doing this more regularly. So trust me, I wholeheartedly understand. So, all right guys, thank you. And gals, thank you for uh, listening to the piss. Uh, yeah, if I could talk tonight, the Twisted Builds podcast. And uh, thanks for having us and have a good one. Bye. Thank you.